0: Welcome to the Rise Method podcast where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve, let's jump in. So, before we get started with this podcast, just for some context, this audio is actually from a live video that was broadcast to our Facebook group. So, there might be some awkward pauses and times where we're waiting for questions. So, um, if you want to go actually watch that video, you can head on over to our Facebook community group. So, just type in Rise Method Community Hub and you can actually watch the live video as it comes out or you can just tune in and listen to it now. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey folks, Steve here, and welcome to this very special live question and answer where I'll be able to answer any of your questions live. So look, I'll be here for the next half an hour. If you are watching live, give me a thumbs up, you can leave a comment down below, I'll be able to see it. And if you're watching the recording, again, you give it a thumbs up, you can ask a question, I'll be able to give you an answer. And the way it's gonna work is gonna start off by answering a question that was brought up in the members app, in the Rise members app, about what program to follow And ultimately the difference between those programs, which are straight sets versus circuits and what would be best for fat loss. We're going to break that down, provide a little bit of rationale as which one might be better and which one might have some limitations. If you don't watch the entire live video here, the short answer is it doesn't matter too much as long as you follow a program that you enjoy. That could be a program that is on the Rise Method app. could be a program that's found in the vault where our members have access to a digital vault. It's really cool. these training programs meal plans in there, there's spreadsheet versions of those. We have eight eBooks that we put together. We have four recipe books and four different courses to complete as well. So lots of digital content for our members as well in The Vault. If you're not sure where The Vault is, uh, you can find it in the general thread. You can also find it in an email or you can just message me in the app and I'll send you a link to The Vault, it's really cool. Now, uh, that's the short answer is it doesn't matter too much. You can follow the training program on the app, training program on a spreadsheet, or a training program that you've been following for years, maybe one that you could do at home, maybe you've got a home gym like I do here, and it's one that you enjoy, uh, or maybe it's another one that you find online. Totally cool, totally fine. as It's always something that you enjoy. That's probably really great for fat loss. So we're gonna break down a bit of a rationale, maybe a little bit of a explainer, try and stand the difference between those two approaches to training and what might be best for fat loss, very keyword fat loss. Now, any times if you have any questions, of course you leave a comment down below. I'd love for you just give me a like on this video just to help with the old algorithm. Sometimes these videos don't get a really big reach. And I'd love for them to help as many people as we can. So, talk about it. What's best for fat loss? Straight sets or circuits? So we know we're we talking about straight sets is something like that's similar to the muscle up program. You know there might be four, five, six exercises, and there might be three sets per exercise. Straight sets, you do a set. You then move on to the next set, the next set, and you move on to the next exercise, complete set, set, set. Versus a circuit where uh, commonly it's, you know, three or four exercises, could even be two exercises, something we call a superset, kind of similar to a circuit where you might have Three, two, three, four, five exercises back to back and you would do, you know, a certain amount of reps or a time based on that exercise and you rotate through those exercises. And this is common in maybe group fitness classes, maybe a circuit based training, maybe a boot camp, circuit based training, group exercise, circuit based training. And it does its rounds where it, it feels great because, you know, releasing the endorphins, you get sweaty. If you feel hot and sweaty, you have the feeling that, you know, you're burning something, you're burning off the fat, you're achieving something. And ultimately, that's what we want when we're training. Some exercise is entertainment, you know, it's it's training for entertainment purposes. So we want to feel good about it. We want to feel hot. We want to feel sweaty. We want to feel that pump. We want to feel that burn. So circuits can have its place and they're really great for condensed Training where you can get similar volumes, maybe an hour worth of training compressed into, you know, 10 or 20 minutes. So in terms of time, it can be really great to do a circuit. Um, it can work in its, in a certain regard. Whereas straight sets can have its benefits because you are focusing on one thing at a time. You know, you're focusing on that, that exercise, that set, that individual rep. So that can create a really powerful stimulus for muscle growth. And muscle growth is the other side of the equation when we're looking at body composition. We're looking at muscle mass. Versus body fats and a few other components in there, you know, bone mineral density and skin and hair type of stuff. But we're mainly concerned about body fat and muscle mass. So when we're doing straight sets, we can focus really intently on, you know, the pecs or the triceps or the squat or getting the most out of the squat. You know, how much can I squat? What's the, the, the most effort I can, can create with that squat to get the most stimulus for muscle growth? So when we compare approaches to training, like circuit-based training or straight sets, there are some limitations and some benefits to both. So let's rewind, let's backpedal here, and let's start with a few assumptions so that we know what we're talking about, so we can come to a decision on what might be best for fat loss. So the first assumption that we need to make and appreciate is that when we are trying to lose weight, when we're trying to decrease our body mass, we need to be in an energy deficit. And that means that we are consuming less energy than we expend. And what happens is if I need more energy than I'm actually putting into my mouth and consuming, I'm going to break down tissues in my body to use as energy. Okay, so that's predominantly body fat, but can also be muscle mass, can be some bone mineral density, it could be, you know, slowing down of the production of things like hair and skin and wound healing and tissue recovery and that type of stuff. So I, I break down all these other tissues so that I can use it as energy to do life, you know, talking right now and moving my hands and doing those types of things. So that's The first assumption is that we need to be in an energy deficit. Now, the two sides of the energy deficit is energy in, the food that we consume, and the energy out. The energy out, I describe some things like moving my hands and moving my mouth, but there's a few other components that make up our energy expenditure, and we call this the metabolism. So when you see folks saying things like, oh, my metabolism is X, my metabolism is high, my metabolism is low, my metabolism is, is stuffed, whatever words you want to use to describe your metabolism, that's essentially what we're describing is how we use our energy expenditure. Now, there's four categories that user, that our energy expenditure lies in. And when we're looking at a diet or an approach to dieting or a strategy that some folks would say, hey, this helps with weight loss, it should fit within one of these four areas that we can manipulate. Okay. I want you to think of it like you have $100 as a budget, $100 as a budget, and you can buy actions in your body to complete those tasks. Okay. You'll have 100 $100. We can start by spending the bulk of our money, and that is about $70 or 70% of our energy expenditure goes towards a concept called the basal metabolic rate. And this is kind of like taxes. You know, we can't avoid um, paying our metabolic rate debt. We always need to pay that debt. And the metabolic rate encompasses everything we do to stay alive. So, uh, that is for my eyes to work, my brain to work, my heart to pump, my lungs to pump, you know, for my bone growth to occur, my hair growth to occur, um, my muscle mass to grow and, and occur. So, uh, Basal metabolic rate is essential. It's kind of like paying your taxes and takes up 70% of your energy expenditure. This is the energy expenditure you would need if you were laying in bed. Let's say you're in hospital right now and you're laying in bed. That is the energy expenditure you would use just to stay alive. Okay. So we can't avoid that. Now, a lot of that is due to genetic factors. So if I am tall, you know, I'm 183 centimeters, six foot, and I'm about a hundred kilos. So there's a lot of mass to me. So I require a lot of energy just to live. Whereas you might be watching this and you are, you know, 150 centimeters and you're 50 kilos, much smaller than me. So you may require less in terms of the basal metabolic rate. So it's about 70% of our energy expenditure. Now that leaves us or $30 left. Where does that go to? Firstly, we pay $15 or 15% to our non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Thermogenesis is a fancy word of creating heat. So that 15% goes to movements like what I'm doing now. I'm talking with my hands. I'm moving my mouth. You know, if I was walking around and doing chores around the house or getting out of bed and doing stuff. So that's non-exercise activity. So exercise that activities that are non-exercise in nature. That's about 15%. It's a really large portion. We've got 70% basal metabolic rate. 15% is our non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So we're paying for some movement there. We've got $15 left or 15% left. $10 goes towards paying for the food to be digested in our guts. So different macros require different amounts of energy just to break them down, depending on the complexities. So protein being the most complex, you know, if my hands right now were kind of like a protein, you know, really complex and mixed together. It takes a lot of energy to break down the protein and then use that as energy. Whereas carbohydrate, a little bit less complicated, you know, I could break down a little easier. Add fats, really easy to break down. It doesn't require much of a transactional cost. So this is why high protein diets uh, work well, because it takes a lot of energy just to break them down. It's also why you feel lethargic if you have a big protein meal, you know, if you go to like a Korean barbecue joint and you have a really large meat steak type dish, uh, you can feel really lethargic because it takes lots of energy to break down that food. So you're getting tired. You're actually spending energy to break that down. Okay. So that's about $10 worth of energy. Now what's left, $5, 5%. Where does that go to? That goes to our eat, our exercise activity thermogenesis. So the heat that's created when we exercise. So what that means is that us doing formal exercise takes up a very small portion of our total energy expenditure, about five percent. And for me, if I have about three thousand calories for my maintenance calories, that five percent uh, equates to you know one hundred fifty calories, very small amount. If my math is right, so very small amount goes to actual energy expenditure in the gym. So me, you know, doing a session here, I might expend anywhere between a hundred and maybe. 200, 250 calories, very small in comparison, whereas the bigger rocks are things like me staying alive, me doing non-exercise activity, which a really easy way to measure that is like our step count, which is why we're really pushing for do more steps, do more steps, measure your steps, track your steps, how many steps you actually do, where that target of 10,000 steps can be a really nice target to aim for. Nothing magical about 10,000 steps. You're not a superhero if you get 10,000 steps on the dot, but by doing more, maybe aiming for that target, really great way to ensure that we're getting the most out of that non-exercise activity thermogenesis. In terms of our, our TEF, the thermic effect of food, That about 10%. Macros, you know, we're we're having a high-protein diet, so we're ticking all the boxes there. Now, what the main takeaway is, is that when we're looking at our total energy expenditure, the exercise that we do plays a very small part in the big scheme of things. So that leads us down the next part in this conversation of, well, what is the main difference between straight sets and circuits? We're mainly talking about volume here, and a great uh, research paper evidence that I looked at and I loved was they had two groups. One group walked five kilometers, and the other group ran five kilometers, and they wanted to test the energy expenditure of both, and the knee-jerk reaction most of us have is that, yeah, well, running five kilometers is going to expend more energy. However, what we found was that when we looked at the 24 hours around the human and the groups that there was no significant difference between the energy expenditure between those that ran 5ks and walked 5ks. So when we look at the effort it takes to do the volume of activity, volume being five kilometers of activity and the effort being running which might have a higher rate of effort you know six seven eight nine ten out of ten effort to run and walking might be a lower rate of effort you know zero one two three four five out of ten effort, the total energy expenditure, by doing that task is the same. So the total volume that we do exercise is very similar, regardless of the effort that's put in. The main difference is the time, the density that are required to do that volume. So when we apply that to training, and we see again in in data and, and, and in research, that by doing straight sets, it might take you, let's say an hour to do, you know, 20 sets of activity, maybe 10 to 20 sets, depending on how long it takes you. That similar volume, 10 or 20 sets of activity done in a circuit style or a hit style of training might take you 10 or 20 minutes. So the time difference is the main difference in those two activities. The effort might be different. You know, if you're doing a circuit, getting hot and bothered, you're getting sweaty, you're feeling the pump, you're feeling the burn. But if you're training at a really high effort, you can get the pump, the burn, the sweat by doing straight sets. And you, we've probably all experienced that. I experienced that. I probably get more sweaty by doing straight sets than I do by doing circuit based training. I digress. So the main difference between the two is the density and the total energy expenditure is very similar between straight sets and circuit-based training. So where does this leave us here? Where we go, okay, if I want to lose weight, I need to be an energy deficit. I need to manipulate my energy expenditure by doing things like increase my steps, having a protein intake, exercising, if I'm not training exercising right now. When it comes to the actual exercise that I do, one, it's only 5% of my training, so eh. Uh, and then two, the types of exercise is very similar as long as the volume is the same. Where does that leave us? Well, it comes all the way back to the conversation around fat loss. If my goal is fat loss, I need to look at both sides of the equation of trying to lose body fat and trying to maintain muscle mass. So the difference between the two is primarily that straight sets allows us to focus on that exercise, focus on that set, focus on that rep, so we can get the greatest stimulus so that we can maintain that muscle mass. Whereas sometimes when we approach circuits, we uh, start to jeopardize our execution of that activity. So we're not really training that muscle anymore, we're just kind of ex- trying to expand energy, we're just going through the motions. Some benefits, on the flip side, of a circuit-based training is that we get more volume in. So if you are really disciplined, disciplined, if you have really good training hygiene, where you are getting some really great reps of bicep curls and tricep extensions and lateral raises in a circuit style of training, you can accumulate lots of volume very quickly. So that total volume increases compared to straight sets. So we look at the two sides of the coin, where uh, straight sets, you can get more focused training in, whereas circuits you can get more volume in so when it really comes down to it it doesn't matter too much which approach you take because both can stimulate muscle growth both can stimulate fat loss both can act as an energy expenditure pathway and there might be some benefits and limitations of both parts so the ultimate answer is it's up to you. You can follow one or the other. One's more traditionally seen as muscle building elements in the, the muscle up program in, in straight sets. And one's more seen as fat loss elements in the shape up program. And then again, this is just all uh, around the stereotypes of programs, but in the nuts and bolts, it doesn't matter too much as long as you follow something that you enjoy and something that you can commit to. Something that looks exciting to you because if I gave you the shape up program and it has circuits, you're like, Steve, I fucking hate circuits. Well, <laughs> you're not going to do those circuits, but if I gave you straight sets and you looked at that and you're like, oh, Steve, this is awesome. This is uh, what I want to do. I'm going to be excited to get to the gym. I'm going to find it fun. I'm going to find it exciting. I'm actually going to do this thing. Great. That is the program for you. Now, if you're not a fan of those two styles of programs, there are a few other styles of programs found in the vault. Now, there are some folks that are find lots of confusion around the vault versus the app. Now the vault has lots of digital products in there. You know, we've got eBooks, we've got courses, we've got recipe books, and we have programs in there as well. We've got training programs, we have meal plans in a spreadsheet version. Now, the programs that you find in the spreadsheet are not in the app, mainly because the spreadsheet has lots of calculations and computations that doesn't transfer well over into the app. So if you want to follow the spreadsheets, great. You can follow the spreadsheets. They're totally separate to our Rise Method app. If you want to be part of the September Challenge, you do need to use our app to collect those points. So if you want to follow the spreadsheet, you would need to transfer the workout into the spreadsheet. That's the same conversation as if you wanted to follow a different program. If you wanted to make your own program or follow another program that you found online or a program that your friend made you, whatever it is, you would need to transfer those into the app so you can collect those points if you want to be part of the September Challenge. Now, this is the same conversation around the nutrition side of things. So again, so some folks confused about the recipe books, confused about the meal plans found in the vault, and unsure about how the app works, where they're following the spreadsheet, they're following the meal plan on the spreadsheet, and they go, well, I can't find the same meals on the app. Again, they're very separate. They use different calculations, different formulas, different frameworks. And if you want to follow the spreadsheet or a recipe book or another meal plan that you created or anything, you would need to add that into the app via the meal tracker inside the app. Now, your goal in the challenge is just to meet your nutrition goals. So you might have been set something like 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 calories. How you choose to meet those calories are totally up to you. The easiest way is to follow the meal plan that we prescribe to you in the app. So you just click the knife and fork and you have all your meals out. You just have your meal. If you're not excited about that meal, you can click the little swap button, which is two arrows. You click that button and it brings up hundreds of other meals that fit within your uh, macro prescription. So you can swap between, you know, chicken broccoli rice to, you know, tuna rice or, you know, moussaka or, you know, a simple sandwich um, or something more creative. Lots of options there. If you don't want to follow the meal plan, you can uh, either just track your calories as you would. So you could eat exactly what you've been eating, you know, last month, two months ago, a year ago. Yeah, follow the exact same food that you are currently been eating prior to this challenge and just track it within the app. You might find that you get really close to your calorie target or maybe you're starting to creep over that calorie target. So you might just need to reduce the portion sizes. You could eat whatever you feel like within the calorie goal. Again, if you want to reach your nutrition goal to collect points so you can be part of the September challenge. Alternatively, you can use the inspiration button inside our meal tracker in the app and you have access to a few hundred other um, meal plans, uh, recipes inside the app. And you can follow some of those to collect your calories so you can collect points. Or you can follow recipe books that you find online or in vault or on your shelf at home <laughs> uh, and follow those recipes there. Now, um, some folks are very quick to add MyFitnessPal to our app and the app itself actually has a meal tracker in there. And I really like meal the tracker, there's no ads, there's a barcode scanner, um, really big database and lots of recipes and it all stays within the app. So if you uh, very quickly added MyFitnessPal to the app, um, I would recommend that you just disconnect MyFitnessPal and try our app. Uh, if you disconnect MyFitnessPal for the, the tech folk out there, it remembers the cache of the MyFitnessPal. So when you open up the Meal Tracker inside our app, it tries to send you to MyFitnessPal even though you disconnected. So the best way to do that is to just Google how you clear the cache on um, cache c a c h e. Okay, clear that on an iPhone or an Android. Or um, the easiest way is just to remove the our app and re- remove the MyFitnessPal app. Just remove those apps from your phone uh, and then install them again. And you'll probably find that the app now sends you to our meal tracker rather than to my fitness pal but if you don't like our meal tracker no stress no dramas uh, you can use my fitness pal if it's connected to our app it sends all the information over and you can collect your calories and reach your nutrition goal so you can collect points but i digress i hope you found this video helpful but i would now like to pass it on to you guys If you have any questions, queries, daft points uh, for me, I would love to help you out. I see that Catherine says hi and Jody says hi. Hi, you back. There are a few folks watching live now and I would love to give you an answer. So you have any questions about the challenge, questions about our app, questions about training, nutrition, health, anything in between. I'd love to give you an answer. I'll be here for the next 10 minutes or so. uh, So we can hang around, we can chat and uh, I'll leave it to you guys. Colleen asks, do I have to eat all my allocated meals if I'm full or finish every last bite? Well, good question. Um, no, you shouldn't be too, shouldn't be needing to, you know, stuff your face or to uh, overeat or anything like that. Now, um, what we can do is manipulate the total uh, volume of food. So, you know, we compare something like, um, you know, a kilo of watermelon might have the same calories as like a slice of pizza. If I ate a kilo of watermelon, i will be pretty full, be pretty, that's like having like lunch, you know, be completely stuffed. But if I had a slice of pizza, we have the entire pizza. So it's all really a balance of volume of food. Now, some of our meals are really voluminous in nature. You know, they're generally dieting meals where we're, we're trying to help you feel full. So uh, no, you don't need to finish your plate if you don't Want to. Um, Probably best that you try to track your calorie intake the best you can, where if you were uh, having half a serve, maybe you would need to just uh, modify the meal so that you were tracking your calories more appropriately. Because what you really want is if your calorie goal was, let's say, where we set it at Colleen? Let's say 1700 or 1600 that we set at, if you were only eating 1200 calories, and you face other side effects or other challenges, you might find that instead of looking elsewhere, we we, we know where the problem is, right? So if you were your goal was sixteen hundred calories, you're only eating twelve hundred calories, and you say, Steve, I'm really tired, I'm really lethargic, I'm you know wanting to binge eat, I I, I can't train hard, I'm not seeing results. We go, okay you're already at energy deficit, you're not even consuming that, you're now at like say a thousand calorie deficit or a 30, 40% deficit, okay, that is probably the area we wanna focus on is trying to actually increase your energy intake so that we resolve some of the side effects of extreme dieting, we are able to have some energy to get you into the gym, to train hard, work hard, and that might lead to greater results. So uh, the answer is no, you don't need to stuff your face, you don't need to you know finish every last bite, but it's best to track your calories the best you can. Um, Karen says, will you be adding some low calorie meals to the recipes eventually? Uh, yeah, there are some low calorie meals in the inspiration tab. Um, so if you were to either one, click the plus click menu, go to inspiration, you can find some low calorie meals there or inside the meal plan. If you filter, which I'm pretty sure Karen, you found that filter button, you can filter out, uh. Different calorie ranges, um, and also into things like snacks, uh, and find smaller calorie meals. Uh, Wendy says, "Plantain bowls tonight." Loving the prawn and mango recipe. Meals are very generous. They are very generous, um, and that again, similar to what I was saying with Colleen, that's by nature. We're trying to have you uh, feel satisfied, feel satiated with your food, so that you're less likely to, uh, you know, resort to previous habits. Like uh, you know that bowl of ice cream, that, that chocolate, after that sweet, because I've been there where we've been on a diet, and you look at the food that you've been given, and you're like, what is, what is this? Uh, and leads to being hungry. When you're hungry, you're more likely to over consume. So uh, we design meal plans that you're not starving, and uh, well, hopefully it makes it easy to to get the change that you want. Joey's having chicken couscous salad for dinner. Uh, Lovely meal. Love that. And Catherine says, I had salmon patties tonight. Quite yummy. Over on protein today. And that's fine. I think being a little bit over on protein is great. It can help us to feel full. Um, And also is a net win because uh, when we have lots of protein, we end up expending more energy and helps us with this dieting process. Great. So... Awesome questions. I love it. Um, Look, I'll be here for the next five minutes or so. So if you have any follow-up questions to those types of things, I'd love to help you out. If you have any other questions related to nutrition or training or anything in between, I'd love to help you out. Um, Yeah, look, there's lots of discussions already on the, the Rise Method app. Lots of group discussions and lots of uh, one-on-one chats with you guys. So I love the one-on-one chats where I'm able to, to really help you out. Uh, lots of folks sending me their training videos, which I actually really enjoy. It's probably my favorite part of the app where maybe able will see some of your training videos. So if you are up for it, I'd love for you to send me a training video and we could maybe talk about areas that you can improve or maybe some minor tweaks that you can make to get some, some, some easy wins. It's not about you know critiquing. It's not about you know poking holes in your execution. It's about hey, where could we modify your executions that you get a better you know squeeze contraction, better angles so you get more force, those types of good stuff. Catherine says, how do I add steps in the app? So uh, steps is linked directly to. Uh, smart watches, smart devices. So at the moment, we don't have um, manually adding step counts yet. Uh, So you would need to add an activity tracker like um, Apple Watch, Fitbit, Garmin, something similar to that. Um if you were wanting to track your steps in another way, you might choose to use, let's say, uh, the Apple Health app or the Google Fit app like we have in previous versions of things like the M Challenge. That could get your step count just if you have your phone on you, like in your pocket from day to day and give you a rough estimate of your step count. And you might want to take note of that step count. You can either put that step count on places like uh, in the vault, you'll find a, a measurements tab and you can keep track of your steps in there in a spreadsheet, or you might leave it as a comment on a workout so you can keep track just of yourself. Karen says, so when I add different exercises to your training program, it doesn't save it for next time. Yes, yeah, so unfortunately, it, it doesn't save uh, the, the workout re- repeatability, meaning that if you were to add Uh, to lower one that you did a set of ab crunches at the end or something, Uh, I won't repeat that to lower one. Uh, And that's just a networking thing because we have the base program, lower one, and you access uh, lower one, and then you write that you did a sit uh, sit up, but that doesn't copy it onto your server, it stays on our server if you're following onto the tech world. Um, So it's best that you maybe make a note that that's what you're choosing to do to add more volume. The question always is, you know, do we need to add more volume into the programs? The volume that we design is, you know, quite moderate as it is. So adding more to it might highlight uh, that maybe the previous sets could have a higher intensity or effort output. Meaning that if you feel like you want to do more activity, you might look at the total, uh, you know, intensity of the the prior sets. Okay, bell's a nice way of saying saying maybe train a bit harder, but I know you're training really hard, Karen. I know you do. Vicky says, "Uh, hi Steve. My calorie allocation is about 150 calories over what I already eat. Is this something that can be adjusted? Yeah. Just send me a message in app. We can chat. Uh, the question is of course, um, you know, when you say that you have been eating that calorie allocation, are you reaching your goal with that calorie allocation? Uh, do we need to review that calorie allocation, um, and make modifications? Because Uh, I I actually recorded a a podcast on this releasing in a couple of days where the calorie prescription that we start with is, you know, a starting point. It's not the end point. You know, if we were to say something like, hey, you know, Vicky, you're on 1500 calories, that's not like set in stone perfect. And an analogy would be like a budget. You know, we could say the average adult would spend you know X amount of dollars. You know, if you've gone for a mortgage, we could say that okay, the average household of two adults and two kids would spend X amount of dollars. But the individual differences can vary. You know, if you lived in a high cost of living area versus a low cost of living area, or maybe if you are actually uh, you know single in your twenties, uni student living in a share house, very different expenses to living with a family of three um, in that that are teenagers that eat a lot of food so the budget changes that is a similar analogy to calorie prescriptions we can start with a general uh, outline of well given your height your weight your physical activity level this would be your calorie intake then what we need to do is test its effects on your body if you wanted to lose weight, we can test if you're actually losing weight. If you wanted to build muscle, we can test if we're actually building muscle. If you wanted to develop the physique, we can test these things. So maybe what you were eating prior was really advanced. You know, you've know, you gone through that step and you go, Steve, I know what I need to eat. It needs to be this many calories. Or you go, well, this was what many calories I was eating before. I wasn't reaching my goal Maybe by increasing the calories, you're able to train a bit harder, you're able to stimulate more muscle growth, you have more energy, so you're doing more non-exercise activity thermogenesis activities, you know, step count. You're less likely to do binge eating episodes or consuming food uh, that is not on your plan. Or maybe there is a slight error in how you're um, measuring that food intake and we can all get better at measuring our our food intake. So chat with me now, we might be able to modify it. I would say that 150 calories is very small as well. You know, that is like, you know, a couple of bites in a sandwich. So uh, 150 calories, uh, like that's probably not um, really massive in in terms of the goal. Finally, the nutrition goal to collect points is to be within 20% of your calorie and macros. So if you were targeted at 2000 calories, 20% 20% is you know 1,600 calories, 2,400 calories, which is quite large. So 150 calories could be your variance of 20%. So if you wanted to just continue eating what you're eating, you could still collect points for the September challenge and reach your nutrition goal by having slightly under. But again, just direct message me in the app. We, we can chat if you'd like. When he says, my four grandchildren, 10, 7, 6, and 4, all love dinner off the meal plan tonight too. Kid approved, love that. And I think that's the the best part about the recipes where folks will come and join us and say, well, you know, I, uh, my kids don't eat the diet food. My, my partner doesn't eat diet food. I can't do it. Well, some of the meals in app are things like spaghetti bolognese, you know, chicken burgers, lasagna, like meals that probably Australians would have on a rotation normally. Um, and you can have those meals still. Like if you have meals that you enjoy with your family, you know, Sunday roast, Monday spaghetti night, taco Tuesday, whatever it is, you can still have those meals, just track those calories in the app and you can stick within your nutrition goal, great happy days, you're not even on a diet, you're just portioning it slightly differently. But I digress, I'm gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna go have my spaghetti bolognese. I hope you found this video helpful there. I'll probably turn it into a podcast, you can listen to it again, just won't be as visual, or you can watch it again straight after this live video. Again, I would highly recommend just messaging me directly in the app, we can chat. Um, I am aiming to respond to you very quickly. Uh, I'm going to say within 24 hours, most likely within an hour, within an hour, unless I'm asleep. So if you message me, uh, at 10 o'clock, I will be asleep. So please don't upset me if I don't answer it to you by, by midnight, because I'm sleeping, but uh, I hope you appreciate that. Thanks guys. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll catch you next one.